Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also gonna ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face and still another hundred miles to my next resting place. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon, within my car I'm all alone, but feeling good and feeling strong, knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself, I'm driving. Hey now all, this is the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta, and you are listening to Spirit Sherpa, the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. Today I'm joined by Grant Merrill, who was a fundamentalist evangelical pastor before his deconstruction journey led him into a wide open faith as a gay ordained United Methodist pastor, which he has now also left behind. But he is still known on TikTok as Pastor G, which is where you should check him out and watch his videos. They are hysterical. Okay, so we are continuing on our journey today. We are doing the seven deadly sins. And this time we are talking about gluttony and temperance. And I, I have to say, I love the gluttony and I'm not so excited about the temperance. So we're going to have to talk about this. Thanks for having me, Kelly. I'm so glad to be here again. So, you know, I I have to say that recently you you had a a video go viral. (laughs) You were saying that the fattest thing you ever did was have cake for lunch. (laughs) Not not just cake, but a cake. (laughs) A cake. I uh, I did, uh, in full disclosure, I didn't finish it in one lunch setting. I most certainly did have a Pepperidge Farms coconut cream cake in my refrigerator that I ate straight off of the plate for a couple of days in a row. And so um, how fitting that we're talking about gluttony today after I just gained 4,000 new followers after admitting that I have had lunch cake recently. So, you know, we we just we have to love it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, I was talking with you in between episodes because we we are actually pre-recording these, 
And, um, you know, unlike most of my episodes, which are recorded about a week and a half in advance, uh, Grant and I have decided that we're going to do these a couple at a time and just power through them. And um, <laughs> so we're pre-recording this. So by the time you hear this, it's going to be much later. But um, we, we just did the sloth and diligence episode. And now we're doing gluttony and temperance. And I'm like, I, I said that my husband loved his his time in bed. And my husband's also a chef. And so he and I are like super foodies. And so gluttony is like, so our thing. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, right? Gluttony is food to excess, right? And temperance, which doesn't have a great uh, sense here in the U.S. because of the temperance movement of the 20s with the, with the uh, uh, you know, prohibition. Uh, I think it was 20, 1918 to 1920 or something like that. I don't know. Something around there. And, um, and so, so temperance movement doesn't have a lot of joy for us. And so we're going gluttony. Yeah, we're all about the gluttony and the temperance. Ah, screw that, right? So... <laughs> So, but let's find the spiritual part of this, shall we? Because there has to be one. And we have not talked about this in advance. So we're just making this shit up on the fly. Just I like love it. It's <laughs> on the fly sometimes. But I will say gluttony in this, in this respect uh, is not just in reference to food, but excess in general. Uh, gluttony is, is excess. Uh, and, uh, and, and temperance also um, is, is not a virtue in excess either. And so I would say that the lesson in all of the, you know, we're not doing the wrap up already, but the lesson, the lesson or the wrap up after a conversation may be um, everything in moderation, you know, that excess of anything is a bad thing. And right. So, everything in moderation, yeah. including moderation, right? Yeah. I don't remember who said that. That is a famous, it might've been uh, Twain. I want to say it might be Twain, but I doubt it because he was not a temperance kind of guy. So, so, but yeah, there that definitely was out there. So, so okay. So, if we start with the everything in moderation piece, let, let's let's talk about this from a, a a spiritual path perspective, right? Because you know, I'm I'm working on my book right now, and one of the things that I'm talking about in it is the idea that sometimes people get into the doingness, right? They get into the doingness of their practices, and so I was at an event. Uh, a few months ago and somebody came up to me and he's like, you know, I, I'm doing 27 affirmations a day and I sit for an hour in meditation. And he gave me this long litany of things that he was doing that were like spiritual. Right. And he was miserable and he wasn't making progress. And I'm like, okay, here's the deal. Your practices don't make you spiritual. What makes you spiritual is being in connection with the higher power, the higher self, the universe, the all that is, and doing your work at the same time, right? Not, not necessarily in the same moment, but, but sometimes, right? Those are the things that, that make you spiritual. And I think oftentimes uh, we, we get into a gluttony, uh, a glut of activity, spiritual activity as a way of saying, I'm doing it 
and and saying, okay, I'm proving to myself that I'm spiritual, right? Or I'm proving to other people that I'm spiritual. Look at how spiritual I am. I go to yoga. I do my meditation. I have my affirmations. I have my crystals. Look at how spiritual I am. I'm so spiritual. I'm better than you, right? And, and if that's your thought process, that is not spiritual. That is a glut of activity, a gluttony of spiritual activity that is keeping you from your actual pro- process of being more spiritual and being connected. Um, and it's also a form of spiritual bypass. And so, okay, so that's the gluttony side. So from my perspective, right? So the temperance side would be the, if you are being aesthetic, aesthetic. Did I say that right? Ascetic, yes? Uh, yeah. Right. Ascetic, right. You know what? I don't know. I've heard it pronounced ascetic and ascetic both. And so, sure. I think yeah. it sounds good. Okay. We'll go with that. And so, if I'm being ascetic and I'm, I'm like stripping away all, you know, material, you know, whatever's right. And I'm living in that state of lack, you know, of, of emptiness of things, Right. That is a super temperate temperance state, right? And in short bursts, that can be super helpful. In longer stretches, it can have the same problems. It doesn't necessarily have to, but it can have the same problems as a gluttony of, of activity, right? Just because somebody's doing a huge amount of spiritual activities doesn't mean that they're in a gluttony state, though. Just like just to, because somebody's living in a, an ascetic life doesn't mean they're in a temperance state um, where it's shadow. It's it, basically what we're talking about is there's a light and a shadow to both sides of these. You know, we're looking to stay in the light side of it and not fall into the shadow side. But, you know, too much of anything is too much, which is kind of what gluttony is about, right? <laughs> You don't have much to say on this one, Grant. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, well, I was thinking, so I, um, it, this is both like my ancestral history as well as uh, my theological heritage. Uh, so I'm a United Methodist. If you don't know anything about Methodists, um, we are a, a movement that stemmed out of the, the Church of England, the Anglican Church. And so uh, in addition to being in a theological movement that stems out of the Church of England, um, both sides of my family could not be more uh, Anglican at heart. Um, one side of my family uh, came to the United States on, on the Mayflower. Uh, I'm a descendant of William Brewster, uh, who was on the Mayflower, and not only on the Mayflower, but, but uh, the, the spiritual leader of the Puritans. Um, oh, nice. And and the, uh, yes, so scary, you can right? buy it honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other side of my family were royalists who came over after Cromwell overthrew the King of England, and they left because they wanted to be able to live their wild and free Anglican life in the colonies. And so I have I have both extremes uh, that we see within uh, British religious history, where uh, I think for all of it, and and I'm just looking at my own family and theological heritage. I think every culture, uh, I would say, has struggled with finding balance forever because we're naturally a people that if a little bit is good, then everything has got to be better. More is um, better. More and, is better. And, I, you know, and, and so my family heritage is made up of these two sides, the wild and crazy people that went on 15-day binges every year for Christmas and the people that outlawed Christmas because 
they were, you know, my other side of the family was going on 15 day binges. And so I think that uh, gluttony is anything in excess. Temperance is anything. <laughs> Maybe in, it, it can be taken to the extreme as well in, in its own form of gluttony, a gluttony of, of denial. Um, uh, well, I, I mean, if you were going to go back to the the Anglican Church, we can even say that the Anglican Church itself was born out of gluttony. It was Henry VIII's desire to take another wife, and another one after that, and another one after that. So we, uh, the Catholic Church said no, so he said, screw you, I'm making my own church so I can have as many wives as I want. That's a gluttony right there. And and if we're being honest, even the Anglican Church on the other side was born out of the gluttony of the Catholic Church because the Pope didn't want to lose the political power of having the King of England married to a princess from Spain. He realized that his power was threatened by this divorce. And so if we're following it back, really gluttony may be at the root of everything, uh, um, just in general. And so, Well, I mean, the, the, the Salem witch trials, they were really less about witches and more and well not necessarily the salem witch trials specifically but all the witch trials were uh, you know the entire inquisition was around trying to gain land and it was just easy to to say oh you're a witch and therefore the the church can claim your land it was the great land grab they should not call it the great inquisition they should have called it the great land grab right power and resources that's it that's it and that's the thing so you know, gluttony has a lot of aspects to it. And, you know, I think that one might fit better into greed, but we haven't done that one yet. So, yeah. But the, uh, the upshot being that we are, we are looking for the middle path here, right? Is, that's a Buddhist statement, right? The middle path. Actually, that's an Anglican statement. The, the, it might be a Buddhist as well, but the via media, the middle way, uh, is, is the, was the, um, theological, um, uh, birth of the Anglican Church. They found the middle way between Protestantism and Catholicism. And so it might be Buddhist as well, but uh, back in the uh, 1500s, the, the middle way, the via media, uh, was the theological inspiration for the Church of England. There you go. See, I pulled it psychically out of the air. No, I'm pretty sure I was quoting the Buddhist, but you know. It might be, it might be Buddhist as well. <laughs> If you're Buddhist, write in and tell me. <laughs> Christians steal everything. We steal everything. So. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. So it is what it is. But yes. yeah. Um, so the the when we look at gluttony and this desire for more and more and more, right? Um, I, I feel like this one sort of slides over into other things, right? Because greed is its own form of gluttony. It's just specifically monetary, right? Um, and this this whole thing of more is better. I mean, I have this conversation with my husband all the time because, uh, you know, he is a more is better kind of guy, and and my dog is as well. And so we say, you know, he you know he didn't fall far from the tree, right? And he's daddy's little boy, right? So, uh, you know, my dog's always like, more, 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 more. We're like, you're going to throw up if you eat more. He's like, that's okay. I'll just eat the throw up. It'll be okay. Right. <laughs> It'll be mine. Right. And it's, it's that sort of thing where it's like, you know, I'm going to eat until I'm overflowing. I'm going to take until I, I have so much that there's no way I could possibly, you know, need any more. And then I'm going to get more. Right. Um, at, at its core, when you look at it from that perspective where it becomes this compulsion, right? 
then what I see with that is the same thing I see as in addictions. When I, when I talk to people about addictions is this idea that you have this need, which is often a need where you're feeling unlovable or you're feeling not good enough or where you're feeling like you don't deserve to have good things or that you're not allowed to receive or, you know, any number of things, right? And that need, because you don't know how to fill it where it sits, which is usually in the third or fourth chakra, gets migrated down to the pleasure center in the second chakra and we try and fill it with things that are never going to fill it so we fill it with alcohol we fill it with food we fill it with shopping we fill it with sex we fill it with tv we fill it with whatever pleasure seeking activity may may come into play on that and it is a black hole of need and no amount of the thing that we fill it with is ever going to fulfill the need that it is. Because for one, you're trying to fill it in a place where the actual pain isn't. And for two, you're not actually addressing the issue. You're just compensating with pleasure-seeking activities. You know, it's that whole land of the lotus eaters sort of thing. Um where, you know, you show up and all these people are trying to give you lovely things and it keeps you from what's true and important in your life, right? And um, so the, the concept here is to make sure that if you find yourself in this sort of addictive behavior, gluttonous behavior, that you go, okay, what am I compensating for? Right? Why why am I doing this? What is causing me to to behave in this fashion? Why what is the compulsion and where does it come from? Right. And to to sit with the feelings underneath it, because that's where the gold is. Right. And so, you know, sometimes it's physiological. You know, if with food in particular, it could be physiological, where you have a, a deficiency in a particular vitamin or, you know, something that's causing you to like crave and eat this one thing a lot, because you've got some sort of physiological deficiency. Uh, and oftentimes it's emotional, right? So, yeah. <laughs> I love I love to eat my emotions. <laughs> so, you know, um, there's there are ways in which our bodies speak to us, but our souls speak louder, right? And so, you know, your body may be going, I'm so full, don't eat that next bite of cake. And your mouth is going, but I'm so lonely. <laughs> I love the Japanese phrase, when you eat because your mouth is lonely. <laughs> my husband and I have picked that up. And we, are, we, we go over to cabinets and we go, my mouth is lonely. <laughs> That's so awesome. It's a Japanese phrase and they have a whole word for it. I don't know what the word is, but it. it's fantastic. Like, yes, my mouth is lonely. <laughs> I think that the danger in gluttony is when we take things that were meant to nourish us and make us well and use them to harm us. And I think that, like you said, that's about anything, about sex, about power, about about uh, uh, um, relationships with others, about food, uh, uh, about money, you know, things that were meant to nourish us and keep us well, we use to damage us because we, like you said, we use it to fill that, that need that we either don't recognize or haven't chosen to take care of. Yeah, and and 
the more you feel like you're running away from your feelings, the more you need to turn around and face them. And that's, that's the key there. And that's, that's the piece there. So, um, you know, unfortunately we are often afraid to face those feelings because the feelings are often fear based, right? But if you do it slowly and you, you build your courage over time, you'll find that it actually becomes somewhat simple to do. Uh, once it becomes a regular practice. So if you want a practice that you cannot be too gluttonous about, it's that one. <laughs> Absolutely. That's so funny you bring that up. If you don't mind me sharing a personal story. Um, I just this past weekend, uh, I left I left uh, my position in the church uh, mid-October, October 17th, I think. Um, and uh, just this past weekend, if <laughs> we're recording uh, mid-January, um, I really acknowledged the fact that there's still grief there for me. Uh, you know, we had the holidays. I had the excitement of a fairly new relationship and a new season in life and a new place to live and feeling free from my position. And this past weekend, I finally took a step back and, like you said, turned around and looked at my emotions and said, oh my goodness, there's loss there. And, and I had to say to myself, it's not ridiculous that you feel loss. You can you can be happy and healthy and also acknowledge grief at the same time. And I think that that's, that's exactly what you're saying. You know, like I had been filling it with a holiday and uh, egg rolls. Oh, egg rolls. Uh, with all these things. And finally, this past weekend, I had Saturday to myself and in silence. And it was wonderful. And I had to come to a place where I said, I have grief that I haven't wanted to acknowledge. And until I acknowledge that, and until I really look at it and deal with it, it's still going to be there. Well, and and I will give you a piece of, of advice that I give everybody who's getting a divorce, actually, uh, because you divorced the church, right? And, uh, and I also actually got, got a divorce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you the same piece of advice, which is, you have to grieve the dream of what you thought it was going to be. It's not that you're grieving what you left because you left for a reason, right? But you're grieving that the dream that you had been hoping to create, that you were still holding out hope for right up until you made the decision to leave was never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And that's usually the thing that, that traps people for a long time in things that aren't working is that dream. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, in the same way, um, I, it's easy, just, just as you said, to use those things to begin to mask that. And so, ironically, um, I used gluttony of uh, physical exercise and eating better. <laughs> I lost 60 pounds over the stress of deciding to leave a congregation and, and over the stress of um, a, a very amicable and loving uh, split with my spouse. Um, I it's a great thing. However, I have found myself being happier and healthier, um, being able to provide myself the things that I needed, unlike I was before. I was being gluttonous with these things that, while on the outside, it looked like, man, he's really getting his life together. Look at look at him losing weight and all these things. Um, I was practicing a different kind of gluttony. I was practicing a gluttony of physical physical activity that really was was putting me uh, not in, not in the best space personally, and so I think that gluttony can look like lots of things, as you said. And so now you're compensating with lunch cake. <laughs> and you know what? It's a good thing too. I do love me some lunch cake. In moderation, I don't have a lunch cake in my refrigerator right now. Okay. So. 
<laughs> yeah, I made the mistake of making an Instacart order the other night when I was in a particularly gluttonous mood, and I now have a huge amount of crap in my house that I have to get rid of. <laughs> Which, of course, I'm getting rid of by eating it instead of donating it or you know throwing it away. <laughs> you know, I can't waste food, right? <laughs> You know, we all have these moments where we have good days and bad days and, you know, where we're we're better, better one day than another. And, and, you know, it's okay. It's all right. We're, we're human. And, and part of being in moderation is throwing the moderation out the window every now and again. That's right. Sometimes your soul needs cake. Sometimes my soul needs a walk along the river. Sometimes my soul needs egg rolls. Like I'm going to we're done here this evening. And so <laughs> See, now I'm jealous. Because <laughs> I already had dinner. <laughs> it's just acknowledging I think that the opposite of gluttony uh shouldn't be at least temperance in the way that we uh, think of it. The opposite of gluttony is recognizing what your soul needs and being willing to nourish your soul in that moment and, and not, not drowning it and not resisting it, but giving you what you need and that being enough. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a word for that. I've been, as you've been talking, I'm like, what is a good word for that? Cause temperance is not the right word for it. It's it's more like aligned beingness. I'm in alignment with myself and in my beingness in the moment. I am choosing that which serves and, and feeds me at a soul level, which is pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, I think we'll just leave it there. I think, unless you have something else you want to really add to it. That You know, I think that's a goal for life is aligned being. Uh, just in general. And so that's a lovely place to be. All right. And so we're going to leave it here, even though we're a little short on time. And that's okay, because I am an aligned being and knowing that this topic is done. (laughs) So with that, join the mailing list. We do send out a list of uh, all the places that I've published things and I've interviewed and all the episodes and everything like that. And you definitely want to check out the mailing list for that. And, uh, you know, please like, rate, subscribe, share this episode and other episodes with people who are out there who are friends of yours, who maybe aren't friends of yours yet, or who you wish were friends of yours. Put it up on social media where you see people asking questions. But by all means, please share. Uh, I so appreciate you guys for listening. I love you so much. And and thank you, Grant, for being here. I really appreciate you coming and, and doing this series with us. It's such a joy. It's a joy. It's an absolute delight. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and that's all we have for this week. So tune in next time when I share another episode on energy, magic, and the spirit world. I'm Kelly Sparta here with Grant Merrill, and you have been listening to Spirit Sherpa. So long, everyone. Bye. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon. Within my car, I'm all alone. But feeling good and feeling strong. Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself. I'm driving. Are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing, but you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since 
you seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space and you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out. And it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half, guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. Your future awaits.